What's happening, everybody? Welcome into the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you on September 13th, 2017, from Boulder, Colorado. want to welcome everybody into the show. Before we get kicked off, want to remind you that you can find the show at SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand, or by going to Apple Podcasts, search the Hangout in the Holy Land, Subscribe there, leave a review, leave us some feedback, but that's where you can find the show. Got a good show for you guys today and be a little more light than the last one was after the loss to Oklahoma. We're going to break down Army, put a bow on the OU game and talk about week three of the college football slate. And to do that, I am joined by still Land Grant contributor, but one of the college league managers for SB Nation and I guess my co-host for these Wednesday podcasts, Matt Brown. Matt, what's uh what's happening, man? Hey man, um I I am glad that I think we've just about retired all of the the blistering hot Ohio State takes over the last couple of days to now focus on something completely different. I'm I I I am I think one of the few people on the internet that actually has strong opinions about playing army football. Um, a program that I got to know a little bit through writing my book which you can still get <laughs> the uh, what if a close look at college football is great questions. If you're into college football history, there's quite a bit about army football and the greatest college football team of all time. So weird conference realignment stuff. None of that pertains to this army football team who, despite being undefeated is bad. Yeah. Let's talk about this game. Army is two and oh week one. They beat Fordham 64 to six. And then last week, pretty uninspiring effort against Buffalo winning 21 to 17 before we started recording we were trying to figure out what angle to take to to break down this game, and we'll get into the more nitty-gritty stuff in a little bit, but you brought up how you may not be in favor of Ohio State playing this game in the first place. Why is that? I hate it. I hate it, and and, and it feels weird to say that because, obviously, I don't hate, the, hate troops. the troops. I don't hate the troops. <laughs> I can't be the only one who thinks that if the troops just got together, they could form a football team that could potentially stay within 30 points of Ohio State. Um, Ohio State's athletic department and administration clearly thinks highly of service academies. They've scheduled multiple games with Navy. Um, I would I would expect future football games against service academies um, over, over the next decade. I understand that it's a, uh, a useful thing as a teaching moment for, for student athletes. However, I don't really see what Ohio state gains by playing a team that one, they should clobber the line on this game is 30 or 29 and a half, depending on where you look, uh, and a triple option team, right? Like the Buckeyes right now, as, as you've probably read, um, as of this recording have given them more passing yards than anybody else in the country. Now, that doesn't mean they have the worst passing defense in the country, but clearly this is a secondary that that needs to work on a lot of things. And now they're going to play against a team that has the fewest passing yards in the country, a team that I would be surprised if they threw the ball more than five times. Um, So Ohio State's passing statistics and raw numbers are going to jump up significantly, but it forces them to completely alter their defense take away practice time from schemes and systems that they're actually going to see later, um, discombobulates them for the game uh, the week after. And that, that's UNLV, and that's a, that's a game that Ohio State should win anyway. But I feel like if, if you're trying to schedule a, a gimme game, which, which is fine, Ohio State needs to have one or two of those a year, you're not going to win any kudos from playing a team like Army. And it does 
mess things up for you. And and it's because of its triple option system, it's an improving program. It, it might be a closer of an anticipated game, which will just drive people crazy. Like, you know, the Buckeyes played Navy twice in the last couple of years. They are both reasonably close games. The Buckeyes lose to Virginia Tech the week after the last time they played Navy, in part because they had to prepare for that, that offense. I don't, I don't see the benefit from a game that Ohio State's almost certainly going to win. And if they lose, God help us all. Um, but is, it could, could set them up for a struggle later on down the year. Matt, we don't do a lot of activities on this podcast, but I want to do one right now. So okay. for you and for the listeners, I want you to find a room, whether it's in your house or wh- wherever you're listening to this at. I, I want, it to, want you to get into a spacious room, and if you don't have one, go outside and take about 20 to 25 steps forward, and you have gained more yardage in those steps than Army has with their passing offense this season. I mean, just just ponder that. I mean, granted, like, what? I haven't looked this up. They've only, what, have, what, like 12 passing attempts? They've thrown the ball 10 times for 17 yards. <laughs> Efficiency. They have, they, and the crazy thing is, is they've thrown the ball for 17 yards, but they their leading receiver has 18 yards because they have, uh, I think, a slot back with one catch for minus one yard. So you, the listener, too, you have more receiving yards than one of the army receivers who actually has a catch so put that in perspective go troops um you know there's a decent chance army makes a bowl game this year um they got two wins already they uh tulane is 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 another option team they're going to be favored that's a winnable utep's awful rice is awful eastern michigan's not very good north texas is bad so uh, you know but no one's going to be impressed that you beat a six and six army team by 25 points or, you know, a team that goes to the armed forces bowl and loses to like, I don't know, Ohio. I mean, it, is there literally anything that can happen in this football game that would change the way that you feel structurally about Ohio state football right now? Not really, but I do think that <laughs> we're now that we're talking about it and talking about army's passing offense, they're totally going to come out on the first play and run play action and have like a 60 yard <laughs> bomb and Twitter's just going to erupt in flames and whoever the defensive back is, isn't going to turn their head around and the army guy's going to catch it and it's going to be a pass interference. And that's how the game's going to start. All right. So that's, yeah. I mean, there, there, I wouldn't be shocked if there is one weird busted play. Cause you look at this and you think, well, I mean, could Ohio state hold army without any passing yards? Um, no, that's it's, it's 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 just not the way things work, unfortunately. I do think that this game is valuable for uh, if we're talking about the defense and want to stick with that in a couple of regards. One, and a few people have written about this: the linebackers through two games, the linebacker play has been, I think, less than stellar, and that's a big surprise with Chris Worley and Jerome Baker. And I know that Worley forced a fumble against Oklahoma but Jerome Baker hasn't been anywhere the first two weeks of the season and you look at the guys behind them safety and with Damon Webb and Jordan Fuller and Eric Smith the tackling angles woof like man they they have taken some really poor angles so I think if you want to look at at this game and what it can be useful for I guess just fundamental stuff and playing run defense for the linebackers and the secondary because those guys got really fooled and I, I know that it's two different complete styles of offenses when you look at OU and Army, but I think just from a fundamental standpoint, it's going to be good practice for those linebackers and especially the safeties who have been awful, I, I think is the best way to put it so far to start the year, that they can get some some decent practice out of that. But I'm with you in the sense that, you know, even if this were a team like 
a Bowling Green or some other terrible MAC team or or an, or an FCS team for that matter, playing this type of offense, especially in the situation that Ohio State is, isn't doing them any favors right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll learn a little bit more from UNLV, um, which you know is, is comparable to that kind of bad MAC team that still runs a, a more conventional system. You know, it's the 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 talent disparity between Army's offensive linemen and what Ohio State can bring out on the defense is, and especially the defensive line, is just, it's outrageous. It's one of the, the, the biggest gaps that you're going to find in FBS football. But, you know, with with, the, with, that, with that blocking scheme and your play calling and all the misdirection, it really nullifies that a little bit. The, the, the more interesting thing is going to be a little bit about, I, I guess, the offense. But even if you get the passing game reestablished a little bit, Dude, you're doing it. You're doing it against a bunch of a bunch of tiny two stars. So like that, that would be a benefit. The one interesting thing, and then maybe we we can kind of wrap it up for Army. It's going to be if Ohio State lets another quarterback into this game. Because if it's the fourth quarter and the game is too close to let another quarterback play, then Ohio State has some some other big structural <laughs> substantial changes. This would be either uh, would I think help calm things down with the uh, not really quarterback controversy, but one that fans are calling for, or or at least shed some additional clarity. Indiana was was too close to the game until like the last drive of the fourth quarter to bring that in. But if, a, if Ohio State's going into the fourth quarter and they're up twenty eight to three. It'd be nice to see what Dwayne Haskins can actually do. Yeah, something Patrick and I brought up on the last podcast was kind of been a theme, even dating back to last year. If you remember the Nebraska game, after that big pass play to Curtis Samuel to start the second half, they left Barrett in there until, I think, the midway point of the fourth quarter. And I think early on, this is going to be a blowout, at least you would hope, that not just at quarterback, but I think basically every position, whether that's guys like Sean Wade and, and Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Okuda at cornerback, some of the younger receivers, whether that's Trevon Grimes or somebody else, I'd really like to see a lot more younger players get some meaningful time, especially on the offense and at quarterback, because at some point you can't just keep saying, well, these guys don't have game experience if you're not going to give them that experience in these moments where they can get that and it's not really – a, a vital situation. So I, I think that that's probably the biggest thing that I'm looking for in this game is not only Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow, whoever it may be, Tate, we may see Tate Martell on the field is getting them yeah. some significant playing time. And I, I don't think that even if Dwayne Haskins balls out, if he comes in, we're, we're not going to learn much, but just getting him in an actual non spring game situation that's live, I think is beneficial, not only to him, but other position groups too, because I don't think it's just limited to quarterback. Yeah, I mean that, that's part of the reason you play these kind of games. You figure out who's going to get red shirt, who, who are some guys that that you you can get some game action to. Like that's really what I think the next month or so is going to be like for for Ohio State schedule. And, and maybe you know Maryland's looking much better, uh, so maybe that's not so much the case October seventh. But your next three games, UNLV and at Rutgers are teams that Ohio State should be favored by 25 points in, in each of those games, if not more, if Ohio State improves a little bit. You've got a ton of freshmen and redshirt freshmen in your secondary. Now's your chance to, fi to figure out, solidify that rotation before the end of October when every game is going to be a battle. You need to yeah, figure out which defensive lineman you're not going to redshirt. 
um, you know, who isn't able to crack the regular rotation but could clean up in, in garbage time. Solidify that wide receiver rotation. Looks like they're still going with that six-man group. Maybe this, this is a chance for somebody to get some of that separation. Yeah, and just looking at the depth chart right now, you, you brought up a number of different position groups. You know, is Haskell Garrett going to get some playing time? I'd like to see Chase Young get significant playing time from the jump. There's, I think, little to no reason that guys like Sam Hubbard and Tyquan Lewis should see 50 or 60 snaps in this game. And even players like Jalen Holmes and Tracy Sprinkle and Draymond Jones, this is time, especially on the defensive line and other positions where you have some depth that, you know, Nick Bosa should see the field, and he already sees the field quite a bit, but he should start this game. And Chase Young should start this game and get a lot of playing time. And Keandre Jones is a player at linebacker that we've seen on the field a little bit, but it's clear that you know, he, he doesn't have any red shirts, so get him out on the field. Let's see what he can do. So I, I think how these young players play and how much they play is going to be the story of this game, barring any sort of catastrophic injury from one of the starters. We will need to be... I mean, I, I, w- I would still start your starters because you, you don't want to bring in the back. Yeah, you definitely yeah. want to play them. Yeah. Well, well give, me, give me a score prediction before you wrap up the bow here on a game that uh, hopefully is over relatively quickly. Gosh, I, I mean, I think at this point it's hard to see Ohio State scoring in, in a high number until they do it based off of last week. So I'll say 30 to 10. I, I was going to say 30 to 7. That 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 feels that feels reasonable to me. This is a game where the Buckeyes can probably do a little bit of out athleting, um, and and try to get a little bit here of a um of a lead. That you know don't 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 let this be a game in any any caliber of doubt in the third quarter with Army able to you know string together some stupid seven and a half ten minute long drives. That that would be indicative of of, of some much larger problems. So at least public perception wise too. Sorry to cut you off. This is pretty much a no-win situation for them across the board because you blow out Army, the offense plays well, and it's that's what we expect. That's yeah. what should have happened should last be. week. The offense should have been crisper. So good, good job. You guys scored a lot of points on Army. And, oh, well, the passing defense didn't give up yards. Well, yeah, that's because Army ran the ball 40 times even though they were down 30 points. So, And if they play bad, then it's, okay, this thing is continuing, has – Not that Urban Meyer's lost the program, but have they lost their edge? So they're really in a no-win spot here other than just avoiding injury and hopefully playing better than they did last week. That's that's all there is to it. Avoid injury, get playing time for other people, get the W – Go on from there. So, so this game is in the, the kind of the weird mid-afternoon slot. I think it's a 4:30 Eastern kick. It's going to be on on Fox. What else are you looking through in Week Three? Because I'm I'm looking at the schedule now, and there's a couple of games here that look like they are going to be a much more interesting, much bigger deal maybe two weeks ago. And it doesn't have the depth of the first two weeks, right? Like college football stacks everything. I wish they wouldn't do this. Actually, they stack all these amazing games. And like week one, and they put all the interesting stuff at the same friggin' time slot in the second week, and then now it's it's a little bit more thin. Like I don't need every single week to be completely st- you know stuffed time slot to time slot with barn burners. It's okay to to pace ourselves. It's okay to uh, you know have have uh, an ebb and flow throughout the season. I I, I don't. There's a, there's a couple here that are interesting to me. I, I don't I don't know if, if as many jump out as the last two weeks. No, I don't think so. And I'm going to go a little off the radar until we talk about two Power 5 matchups. 
You know, last week you told me not to watch Duke Northwestern. I did it anyway, and it was great because Northwestern got the piss beat out of it, and I really enjoyed that game. But I am looking at Illinois USF on Friday night, and I'll tell you why. I've always been a really big Charlie Strong fan. I love what he did at Louisville. I'm bummed that things didn't work out for him at Texas. But his first two weeks at USF have been pretty uninspiring, especially offensively. They didn't play well against San Jose State. Offensively, they really didn't play well against Stony Brook. And I'm curious to see how they do against Power 5 competition, if you can even call Illinois that at this point. But I think with a third uninspiring week of play that I think I may be coming around to a take that maybe Charlie Strong has lost it and he's actually not that good of a coach and maybe that's too hot of a take but I think that there's some evidence that's starting to mount up that maybe he isn't the guy that he was for two seasons at Louisville thanks to Teddy Bridgewater yeah there might there might be some evidence that his ability to build an offense and consistent special teams may leave something to be desired. I, uh, I've i been thoroughly unimpressed with USF as well. I mean, this was supposed to be a team that not only was just supposed to make mincemeat of this schedule, because this is on, I mean, like, this is the only Power 5 team I think that they play. Uh, they're in the weaker division in the American. They're, they're not, they may not face a ranked team all season. You know, this was supposed to be a class of the group of five. And they, you know, Stony Brook, who's not even that good of an FCS team, took them into the fourth quarter. Uh, they were sloppy for about half of the San Jose State game, and that's also a pretty rotten team. I like Quentin Flowers a lot. I yeah. like I like, uh, I like like their offensive line. Their defense is, is not very good. I, you know, good for, good for Illinois for beating a game Western Kentucky team. Uh, this would be a really nice statement win for them because that's a program that isn't getting a whole lot of positive momentum or energy right now. A lot of a lot of a lot of Lovey Smith doubters before this season. You hyped up on Purdue, Missouri this week? No, let me tell you where I am. <laughs> uh, although, although there could be a lot of points in that game, and credit to Purdue for producing watchable football for two weeks. The expectations for Purdue are pretty small. I still don't think that's a very good football team. It's going to be like a four and eight, but it's going to be like a fun four and eight that you should watch. I feel like obviously there's two gigantic games in the evening here, but the fun shift is going to be at noon. I'm going to tell you why. Noon, ABC, UCLA, Memphis. Memphis has uh, had some terrible injury luck, but in terms of a like a mid-major team that's capable of scoring a gajillion points, they're right up there. They're well coached. Um, they're playing at home in the Liberty Bowl, <laughs> hosting a top 25 team with a truly outstanding quarterback and gigantic question marks all over the rest of the field. Uh, this, as I, I think this has body clocks written all over it. I'm not really convinced UCLA, independent of Josh Rosen, is really that good. Um, and Memphis coming in there and beating the piss out of them and like winning by 13 and maybe almost starting a fight, that's hilarious. And Oklahoma State, who might be the best team in the top 10 that you're not paying attention to, is traveling to Pitt. And uh, I, that's for like the best you – know, this, this, this is the best team Oklahoma State's going to face before Big 12 play. This is the best team they're going to face for a couple of weeks. There are two teams that you've heard of. They're going to throw the ball a bajillion times. It's, it, it's worth checking in on. This is a, a game that I think Oklahoma State has lost in the past too. Yep. And by, by no means should they lose this game. I know they're, they're going on the road, and that's a long trip for them. But on paper, they're a much better team than Pitt, and I think that they'll be able to exploit a lot of the same things 
that Penn State did. And, like, man, I feel really bad for Pitt and for this schedule that they face, like, the two most explosive teams in the country back-to-back weeks. So that's just big plays waiting to happen. But, like I said, Oklahoma State, these are games that they've lost in the past, and they really lose them by, like, some crazy circumstances. So I don't think it's out of the realm of, of possibility that they lose this game, but they should be able to go on the road and take it pretty convincingly, you would think. You you would think. So we'll um... – those, I'm definitely going to be flipping between those two at noon, uh, skipping out on uh, some bigger name games. But like the, I don't think we're missing anything too big with Ohio State. Like I'm not going to watch Wisconsin and BYU. Um, I feel like I've watched my contractual obligation of enough BYU football. That offense is just horrendous. It's one of the worst in the country. It's not going to get better. It's exposing the problems with that program that that aren't really going to get fixed. And I don't want to watch Tennessee, Florida, because it's going to have some of those same problems. Um, who do you like in the two games that people are where I've actually heard of both of the teams and are going to be are going to be invested? And that is, of course, the rematch of the greatest college football game I've ever watched in my life: Texas and USC. And the, uh, the the game day game, the actual, like, quote-unquote, good game, uh, Clemson and Louisville. Who do you like? I like both teams that I was extremely wrong about on our podcast last week when I picked Auburn to beat Clemson and, U- and USC to lose to Stanford. They both looked awesome. USC looked incredible. But starting with Clemson-Louisville, it, it all starts with that defensive line for Clemson. And as great as Lamar Jackson is, that offensive line puts him in positions – to get him killed and you can get away with those mistakes against teams like North Carolina which he did last week but against Clemson and that rotation he's still going to have a big game but I don't think it's going to be enough and it'll just be fun to see offenses and coaches that actually know how to utilize the talent they have on the field so I'm excited for that and I don't think Texas stands much of a chance against USC no. you know you look at you look at the way that Maryland was able to run the ball against them USC with Ronald Jones, even if they don't want to throw Darnold back there 30 times to pass, which they can do that too on Texas, but I think you'll see him have a big day and they'll just kind of slowly ground Texas into dirt. As funny as it was for Maryland to upset Texas, which was really really funny, and I watched that in our office with like four other Maryland grads who were all very steadily losing their shit. I think it might be funnier for Texas to beat USC, and then we can bring the Is Texas Back uh, bandwagon to, to, to full circle there. I, I agree with you on, on both of those. The, the Louisville situation, I think, is fascinating, right? Because L- Lamar Jackson is one of the most fun players to watch in college football. I th- I, for pound for pound, I think he's the best quarterback. I, I would rather have him than Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield made a believer out of me last weekend. But you're right. One, his offensive line is garbage. And so, I mean, he's going to get sacked seven times easily by, by Clemson, I think. And also, their defense is not very good. So he's going to have to keep throwing the ball in, you know, late in the fourth quarter against almost every team that he plays. So he's going to put up Bo Jackson video game numbers again, or like the the Madden-Michael Vick 2005, I, I think it was, kind of video game numbers. So, so I don't think that Louisville is going to be able to win enough for him to repeat the Heisman. If they beat Clemson here, that would make a believer out of me. Because I, I feel like if you want to repeat as the Heisman and, and conform with the historical norm over the last 30 or so years, you need to be like a top 10, top 12 team to um, 
to have a Heisman Trophy winner. And it'll be difficult for Louisville to get there if they're not able to pick off uh, this win. So th this this is a game here that not only has enormous SEC implications, uh, it also has national award implications here as well. They're, they're, they're both very fun for very different reasons. Louisville's offense is very fun. Clemson's defense is terrifying. I, if I had to pick like defensive linemen one through eight, I actually still like Ohio State's defensive line a little bit better, but like the top three offensive defensive linemen for Clemson are the best in the country. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins, as Ohio State has seen up close and personal, those two are a problem. Are there any other games you're looking at? Because like you said, this is a slate unlike last week's where like if you have things to do with your loved ones or, or like important life events that you can get taken care of on Saturday Go ahead and do it. I, I don't have anything to do, so I'll probably just be parked in front of my couch. But, like, there's a weekend ever where, where you need to go do something. Do it on Saturday. At, at least at least in, in the in the early part of the day. And then you can go and you go watch Ohio State, and then you can watch, like, the two good games, or you can, you can go drink. You need to do whatever you want. I'm not your dad. Penelope, I am your dad, if you're listening, <laughs> and you need to go to bed. Yeah, it's it's good to have these those, those those weeks, right? You know, so that way when we do have these gigantic weeks, when when conference play kind of kicks up and everything, it means a little bit more. Like I'm not sure next week is all that much better, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's it, it actually it, it might be a little bit worse. But that means that week seven, week, you know, week six, week seven, week eight, they're 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 a bigger deal, and that's and that's fine. Michigan Purdue next week. That is a football game that will happen. Penn State at Iowa too. I, I think that that's that's tricky. Penn State and Iowa. That's gonna be like the second or third best game that entire week. Not that, that's disheartening to hear. Yeah, yeah. So so get excited, everybody. You know, may, may, maybe maybe we think differently about a couple of these based on what happens in week three. Let's not let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Hopefully, stress-free Ohio State game makes us feel a little bit better about everything. You've got a couple of interesting noon options, a couple of interesting evening options. You've got options to turn off your TV and go read a book, or like what I'm probably going to be doing, playing NBA 2K, which comes out on Friday, and we'll go from there. Well, if you want to follow anything going on this week, make sure to visit SB Nation. Hit that college tab. You can find all the big plays, all the funny memes that are sure to come out of this week. Make sure to follow Land Grant Holy Land by going to LandGrantHolyLand.com. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at LandGrant33. Follow me on Twitter for my bad takes about Ohio State and college football at Dubsco. And Matt, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at MattSBN. You can find my columns on Land Grant Holy Land and, and on SBNation.com. And you can find my book, which I need to sell 22 more of these books so I can pay out the rest of my bills and buy myself a Nintendo Switch. Um, you can find that on Amazon and Kindle. Buy his book. Make sure Matt gets a Nintendo Switch. Also, make sure to follow this podcast. We can't buy any Nintendo Switches from it, but we do appreciate it if you go to SoundCloud.com slash land grand holy land also go to apple podcast search hang out in the holy land find the show there find any previous shows we've done make sure to subscribe leave a review leave some feedback for me and we very much appreciate it but until next time my name is colton denning he's matt brown this is the hangout in the holy land and go bucks